Well, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, maybe sometimes we forget it, but ideas really have consequences, don't they? And as uh, through the, the summer, we kind of reflected upon the foundation of these United States of America, we began to see that because the original signers of the Declaration of Independence were, in fact, a majority of pastors, and because these original founding fathers, for the very most part, probably 95%, read their Bibles every single day, we can begin to see how our nation was founded upon Christian principles. The simple ideas drawn from the very word of God that began to make our nation somewhat different from other nations in this world. For example, that idea that someone would be innocent until proven guilty. Where does that even come from? In most nations of the world, you're guilty until you somehow prove that you're innocent. In many nations, that system can be abused as people, they just maybe bring allegations against you and now you find yourself embroiled in, in conflict and battle trying to clear your name because evildoers simply want it to, to get rid of you, to do away with you, to make your life miserable. It's so much easier in other countries to do that, but yes, in the United States, at least in principle still today, a person is considered innocent until two or three witnesses come together and prove them guilty. Where, where does that come from? Right, it comes right from the Bible, doesn't it? Right, in the Bible it says, in your legal system, right, you should have two or three witnesses that would come out and testify in order to convict you. Just such a simple idea as that came to the founding fathers because they had studied the Holy Scripture, because they, they knew what the Bible had to say. We read uh, biographies about George Washington, and, and for George Washington, until the age of 14, there were two books that he read, the Holy Bible and a book of manners that was taken from the fundamental principles of the Holy Scripture, you see. How do I treat my neighbor? I treat my neighbor in the way that God would want me to treat them, you see. Those were the men that founded our nation. Those were the men that gathered together. Now, now we maybe in retrospect would say, well, I, I wish that, that perhaps they had mentioned more about God, you know, because we the people, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Do ordain and establish this constitution 
of the United States of America. And you say, well, they, they didn't mention God. Why is God not there? But yet, you know, going back to that time, considering the, the upbringing of these individuals, considering that they studied the Holy Scripture every single day, you might say, well, the mistake they made was that they just assumed right, that you would see God underlying all of those principles. Right? You know, for example, how can you truly have justice if God's not in the picture? You know, what, what is justice based upon? It's based upon a, a legal system, right? And what's the, the legal system based upon? It's supposed to be based upon the word of God. That word of God would hold up the legal system, you see. That God would be in all of those details. You say, well, they, they, they maybe blew it there. Like they shouldn't have just assumed that 200 and some years later, you know, we, we would have that same understanding. But we go back, we see that that is what the underlying foundation was. They knew God. They knew who he was. They attended church every Sunday. They shared the same faith. They gathered together to talk about justice and liberty with that whole background of having grown up in the church, of having loved God through that time, of having seen the Lord Almighty take them through terrible trials and tribulations. We have a little bit of, of trial and tribulation today, don't we, with the, the COVID and, you know, maybe for some of you, you have friends and families, you actually maybe know someone that has died from this terrible disease. But you think back to the founding fathers, many of them had large families and maybe only two or three children grew to adulthood. They knew a terrible tragedy every year of their lives. They knew what it was to, to have, you know, that kind of blackness hanging over things that my children might not survive this year, that, that my wife, my, my husband might just be taken away in the blink of an eye, that, you know, I maybe have a lot to lose, and it was a lot easier back then to lose things. <clears throat> And yet, isn't it interesting that living in such a culture, bravery was produced? You see, faced perhaps with some of the same choices that we're faced with today, the men and women that founded our nation got up out of bed anyway. They went out into a dangerous world and they put everything on the line in order to establish a godly government. And of course, we talked about, you know, because of their research, because of their knowledge of human nature, they established us as a republic, didn't they? 
Again, something people today seem maybe to have forgotten. You know, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God, we used to say when I was young growing up. Indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Why a republic? Because a republic is based upon law. It's based upon fundamental documents. It's based upon, from the patriots' perspective, the very word of God. See? Why a republic and not a democracy? Well, you look at Seattle, Washington, don't you? See, yeah, people can get together and they can vote for whatever they want to do. They can vote that their police can't do anything to prevent crime. They, they can vote that they don't want to have police. They, they can vote whatever the majority of the people want. And that's separated from law. It's separated from founding principles. It's separated from, yes, our Constitution. We see it in action, yes, within our own nation today. You see, it's not just a matter of what is the will of the people, but rather it's a matter of what is the will of our Lord, you see. And dear friends, that is what took our nation through some of the most difficult times in our nation's history, didn't it? That we have always sought that will of God. That we have always sought his favor, in a sense. Now, when our men and women went off to fight in World War I, it was with that idea that, you know, they were coming from the church. They had been raised in the Christian faith. They understood what it was that really loved someone meant that you would lay down your life for them. Instilled with these principles of Holy Scripture, they went off to make the world safe once more. And we saw it again in World War II, didn't we? I had the privilege this week of meeting a veteran of World War II, 102 years old, still living in an assisted care facility, but not a nursing home. Still able to have his own little apartment and you know, kind of taking care of himself. 102. Served our nation in that great war. Came home again. Picked up what was a part of his life. Made a life for himself out of that experience. Praising the Lord God who took him through such calamity. He was in some of the major engagements. Landing on the beach of D-Day. Major conflicts surrounded him. 
And with his faith in God, he persevered. He made it through. And he wants us to still know today the fine men and women that he served with, people who knew the living God, people who prayed in the midst of adversity, people who understood that when you're out there with the right motive, willing to lay down your life for the people that you love, God is there with you. What a wonderful story. What a wonderful testimony. But we bring all of those things together once again today, don't we? Because ideas do have consequences. Who is God? What is God like for you, you say. If uh, God just kind of goes by the will of the people, and you know what the will of the people want can change his word, well, you know, then he's maybe nice, a uh, nice old grandpa figure, perhaps, right? But can he keep me safe? Can, can he bring you know, stability to my life? Uh, can he help me to get through hard and trying times? Can, can he give me a certain footing when I, I'm in the, the midst of difficult decisions? No, he, he can't do any of those things if he just kind of is up there weighing the, the weight of, of you know, people's choices and saying, well, you know, maybe I... Uh, maybe I ought to change my mind on, on that particular aspect because I, hey, you know, look at all the people that, you know, think that I should be different. And then how does that influence your life? If you go out into the world thinking that God is just kind of a nice grandpa and, you know, once in a while you can climb up on his knee and you can pull on his beard and, and you can say, hey, hey, grandpa, I need a new car. Can you make that happen for me? Everybody else has new cars, and I'd like a new car too. And can, can you do that? But see, dear friends, if our God really then is the God of this universe, if our God really has laid down commands that really we ought to follow for our own betterment, if our God really does have a true love for us in his heart and he wants the best for us, then ought we not to consider that we would follow him even in the most minute detail? And of course, as your pastor, I would suggest that that's probably the way to go, right? If you read within the Holy Scripture about some aspect of your life and you find that, you know, you're maybe violating that aspect that you yourself would make the choice to change. You would be like the, the man who was blind today, that you would call out to the Lord and you would say, Lord, I, I can't quite see in this particular area. 
Lord, I can't quite understand it in, in this particular aspect of my life. Lord, please come and enlighten me. Lord, please open my eyes so that I can see the underlying principle that should guide me forward. And if that's who God is inside of you, those then are the kinds of questions you're asking. And that brings us back full circle, doesn't it? Because those are the questions our founders were asking. Lord, how can we establish a legal system that is in keeping with your word? Lord, how can we help people to show their innocence, even though perhaps they're falsely condemned? Lord, what is the best kind of system of, of government? Should we go with a democracy or a republic? See. They went with the republic. They went with a form of government based upon foundational material. Right? That we would have a constitution, that we would have a declaration of independence, that those documents would be read and studied and signed by, yes, a majority of Christian pastors within the nation. We seem to have forgotten that aspect. You think about who are the original signers of the documents. The majority were Christian pastors. Men who had made their livelihood the study of God's word. Instead of the secular media today, they want to concentrate on two or three fellows that maybe weren't uh, awesome examples of Christianity. But yet even back in their day, comparing them and their character to people of our current day, they outshine them probably 10 to 1. Even the scoundrels who signed the declaration. We probably hold them up as examples in our current culture, you see. But dear friends, that's where we live. That's where we are. We need to get back to that very place, don't we? And what does it take? It takes that we would stop, perhaps. That like the prodigal son, we would come to that place in our lives when we would fall on our knees and repent. That like the prodigal son, we would find ourselves wasted away, poor, impoverished in spirit, doing the kinds of, of work that were seemingly beneath us just years ago, that falling to our knees, we would cry out and say, Lord, I'm tired of feeding pigs. Lord, I'm so hungry, I want to eat pig slop. And Lord, can I just come home again. See, that we would repent, that we would fall on our knees, that we would turn uh, from our sin, that we would begin that journey home. And guess what? We have that wonderful reassurance that we will be met 
with open arms, don't we? That Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, loved us each so very much that he gave up his life for us, even while we were shaking our fist, cursing his name, feeding the pigs, and thinking everything was fine. You see, Jesus didn't just start to love us because he saw that we were somehow making improvements, that we somehow had gotten a clue, that we somehow understood finally what he had done. But no, Jesus loved us even in the mud, didn't he? And he stretched out his arms and he died. And dear friends, those are the open arms that the word of God tells us to run to. We can always come home again. We can always forsake our sin. We can always come back to that wonderful love of Jesus. Dear friends, that too is what our founding fathers wanted for each of us. That we would be able to live within a nation where we can worship God in truth and purity in whatever Christian church there is out there that we would have the right to assemble, that we would have the right to not be dictated to by our governing authorities. The Congress would make no law regarding religious practice, you see. That's where we used to live, anyway. And I believe that's where we can live once again. But it only comes by returning to those principles. It only comes by understanding that the Lord God has established government. And that we, the people of the United States of America need to cling to that past, to have an understanding of where we came from and to move our nation once again into that direction where people have an understanding, they can come back. They can serve the living God once more. There is freedom and forgiveness offered in the arms of our Savior. There's something wonderful there. There's something permanent. There is a strong foundation. Amen.
And may the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.